Chapter 16 of the History of Burke and Hare and of the Resurrectionist Times. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The History of Burke and Hare by George McGregor. Chapter 16 An Ill Excuse. Strange Behavior. Discovery the threat unavailing arguments the last bargain about nine o'clock on the morning of saturday the first of november burke went round at hare's house to see about his lodgers who had been forced to change their quarters for the night he was anxious to know how they had rested and having offered gray a dram of spirits he invited the family along to his own home to have breakfast this they were not loath to do, as there was no prospect of them readily obtaining their food in their temporary lodgings. When they entered Burke's house, they found there Mrs. Law and Mrs. Conaway, two neighbors, Brogan and Helen MacDougall. They naturally missed the woman for whom they had been shifted, and Mrs. Gray asked MacDougall where the little old woman had gone. The reply was that Mrs. Dockerty had grown very impudent to Burke, perhaps through having taken too much liquor, and they had found it necessary to put her out. Breakfast was served without further ado, and then Mrs. Gray set about the dressing of her child. Burke was behaving in a very curious manner, for he had the whiskey bottle in his hand and was throwing some of the contents under the bed on the bed, and up to the roof of the apartment, at times put a little on his breast, and occasionally took a sip internally. His explanation of this remarkable proceeding was that he wished the bottle tomb that he might again have it filled. Mrs. Gray, it would seem, was taking a smoke, and had a pipe in her mouth when she was looking for her child's stocking. In the course of her search, she went to the corner of the room where the body of Dockerty was lying covered with straw, but Burke called to her to keep out of there, and when she made to go beneath the bed to get some potatoes, he asked her what she was doing there with a lighted pipe. He offered to look after them himself, but Mrs. Gray dispensed with his help and collected the potatoes without having disturbed anything. All these circumstances created a suspicion in the woman's mind that something was wrong but later in the day that surmise was strengthened by burke when about to go out telling brogan to sit on a chair which was near the straw until he returned brogan either did not know of the mystery underneath the straw or did not care for burke was not long away until he went out also MacDougall left the house too and Mrs. Gray had then an opportunity of clearing up the suspicions she had formed. The straw in the corner had appeared to be the great object of attention, and she went direct there. She lifted the straw, and the first thing she caught hold of was the arm of a dead woman. Gray himself went over, and there they saw the naked body of the old Irish woman who had been brought into the house by Burke the day before. The man lifted the head by the hair, 
and saw there was blood about the mouth and the ears the horrified couple hastily threw the straw over the corpse and collected what property they had in the house in order to leave it immediately gray went out first leaving his wife to complete their packing arrangements on the stair he met helen macdougall and asked her what that was she had in the house the woman made a feeble pretense at ignorance but when gray said to her i suppose you know very well what it is she dropped on her knees and implored him not to say anything of what she had seen and offered him five or six shillings to put him over till monday she urged that the woman's death had been caused by her having taken an overdose of drink alcoholic poisoning is now the respectable name for it and tried to make the man believe that the incident was such as might occur in anybody's house finding this line of explanation thrown away upon him she tried another which she seemed to think more powerful in her intense anxiety for concealment she told him there would never be a week after that but what he might be worth ten pounds it seemed to suggest itself to her that gray by such promises might be induced to join their murdering gang he however replied that his conscience would not allow him to remain silent just as mcdougall left gray to enter the house mrs gray came out and the two women met mrs gray turned back and asked mcdougall about the body among the straw but the reply was similar to that given to gray himself the unfortunate creature offered the same inducements but all to no effect as mrs gray exclaimed the unction god forbid that i should be worth money with dead people macdougall seeing the end was near cried out my god i cannot help it to which mrs gray replied you surely can help it or you would not stay in the house the husband and wife then left the place together followed by macdougall and when in the street they were met by mrs hare who asked them what they were making a noise about and told them to go into the house and settle their disputes there the two women invited gray and his wife into a neighboring public house and there over a round of liquor they plied them with arguments and entreaties to keep silence as to what they had seen and the benefit would be ultimately theirs but all to no purpose gray was obdurate and his wife supported him in his intention to inform the authorities of what they had reason to believe was a foul murder finding they were simply wasting their time mrs hare and macdougall in a state of great anxiety hurriedly left the place as if to prepare for flight and gray made his way to the police office to lodge the information in the meantime burke and hare were busy making arrangements for the removal of the body to dr knox's premises they applied at the rooms in surgeon's square for a box in which to put it for safe conveyance but they could not be supplied with one and later on between five and six o'clock in the evening burke purchased an empty tea-chest in rymer's shop he had engaged john mccullough a street porter to call at the house for a box and before this man arrived 
the two colleagues had wrapped the body of dockerty in a sheet placed it in the box among some straw and roped down the lid whether they knew of the discovery by gray and his subsequent threat is uncertain that they did not is probable from the manner in which they went about the work of removing the corpse when everything was ready mccullough was called in and told to carry it to the place to which they would take him as the porter was raising the box onto his back he saw some long hair hanging out of a crevice in the lid and having probably been in the service of resurrectionists before he endeavored to press it inside this done he went on his way with his burden the two men who employed him walking by his side mrs hare and helen macdougall apparently beside themselves with excitement had been near all the time and followed some distance behind it was now well on in the evening and after the box and its contents were placed in the cellar at surgeon square burke hare and mccullough accompanied by patterson the keeper of knox's museum and still followed by the women walked to newington where patterson received from the doctor five pounds in part payment for the body in a public house in the vicinity the division was made knox's man handed mccullough five shillings for his services as porter and burke and hare each received two pounds seven shillings and sixpence but on monday it was understood when the doctor would have had time to examine the body they were to receive other five pounds making ten pounds in all the end had now come the murdering career of these terrible beings was closed they seemed to feel that it could last no longer their whole manner of working on that saturday indicated impending discovery and help towards it end of chapter 16 recording by john brandon